and welcome back to Baroque's Books. In this episode, I'll be reviewing 365 Days to Alaska by Kathy Carr, and the featured author is Gordon Corman. This book is just amazing. I loved it so much, I finished it in almost one day. I have no emails or comments this episode, and I can't explain how much I love this book, so I'm going to read you my summary of 365 Days to Alaska. Rigel loves her life in Alaska. She doesn't care that they don't have plumbing or electricity, or that her cabin has only two rooms. She just loves it. But when her parents get divorced, her and her two sisters, Izzy and Willow, and their mom have to move to Connecticut and live with their grandma. Before she leaves, though, Rigel makes a deal with her dad. If she can last 365 days in Connecticut, he'll take her back to live with him in Alaska. But Rigel hates it. She has to keep reminding herself of her deal that she made with her dad. Then she meets a crow that she names Blueberry. She realizes that if a crow can make a life in Connecticut, so can she. Soon, Rigel starts making friends and realizes that maybe she doesn't want to keep her deal with her dad. Maybe she wants to stay in Connecticut. I got this book as a book recommendation from another book review podcast called Hook of a Book. You should totally check it out. Ellie Mano, the host of the podcast, just had her 100th episode where she interviewed an actual author, Debbie Michiko Florence, to be exact. Anyways, time for the author information. 365 Days to Alaska is Kathy Carr's only book, and she has a book coming out fall of 2023 called Lost Kites and Other Treasures. I'm pretty excited because I really do love 365 Days to Alaska. All right, now I'm going to read part of the first chapter. Chapter one, obviously. Rigel put the tip of her hunting knife into the hare's belly and made a careful slit. Once there was a hole in the fur, she could work her fingers in and pull the pelt right off, like turning a glove inside out. Then, when it was time to lay the pelt over a nearby branch and finish field dressing the hair, a raven landed in a nearby spruce tree with a heavy flap. It studied Rigel, its head to one side, then hopped to a lower branch for a better look. It was probably waiting for her to finish gutting the hair and throw its goodies into the scrub. Rigel would bet it had seen hunters do that before. It might have seen her doing it before. Ravens remembered things. Hello, Rigel said to it. The raven riffled its feathers. It offered her a croak, not a long, loud crook, a shorter ah, ah. Rigel always spoke to ravens. It would have seemed rude not to. They were so smart. She cleaned the hair, and its rolled-up skin went into Rigel's pack. She tossed the animal's innards, head, and feet under the spruce where the raven sat. She squatted by the stream to clean her buck knife and put it back into its sheath. She rinsed her hands quickly in the icy water, wiped them on her hoodie, and went back for her packing gun. Then Rigel checked the safety on her point twenty two and put it over her arm in a cradle carry, the way her dad, Bear, had taught her. Enjoy, she said to the raven before turning away. She noticed waitresses in restaurants said that when they put your food down. Not that Rigel ate in restaurants very often, but that she was no hick. She'd been to Fairbanks. She headed home along the stream. Rigel was bringing home two hares, not bad for her first time out.
Two was enough to make a meal for the five of them. She hoped her mother would make a casserole. Lila's rabbit casserole was the best. Bear always said that, even nowadays, when he had almost nothing else nice to say about Lila. And Rigel had proven Bear was right when he argued last week that she was old enough to hunt on her own, that she had a good head on her shoulders. She's 11 years old, he said, and Lila had answered, you know, some people would say she's only 11. For a moment there, Rigel had been afraid they were going to start fighting on her birthday, but she shoved that memory away. The point was, she had gone out and taken her time and done everything exactly right, and now she was bringing home meat. If it had been winter, Rigel would have walked back to the cabin on the frozen stream, which is quicker, but breakup had come early this year. Now, in mid-May, the ice was already gone. She walked along the trail at the top of the sandy bank instead. She got glimpses of their cabin through the trees and brush as she went along and started catching snatches of voices. Her sisters were outside. Izzy's voice came first. Izzy was only five and her high, bright voice carried easily. Willow's voice came later because it was soft and low. Rigel hoped her voice would sound that nice when she was 14. Rye bear! Izzy threw down her jump rope and ran to her. Did you get anything? Rigel twitched her nose and munched with her mouth the way a hare would. Rabbits! Izzy shouted. Rabbit, 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 rabbit! She bunny hopped beside Rigel all the way back to the cabin. Hare, not a rabbit, Lila would have said. She had a degree in biology and could be picky about that stuff. Hare, rabbit, it's the same thing. That's what Bear would have said. Rigel didn't correct Izzy. She swatted one of Izzy's sunshine yellow braids instead. And Izzy laughed and whirled away. Her real name was Iris, but that name was only used when she was in trouble. They had a good-sized cabin, ten locks high, with two rooms. There was one window on each side of the front door, and the door and window trim were painted red. The red was pretty against the weather-brown logs, and there was a bench under each window where you could sit on nice days. The dried head of the northern pike was nailed to the cabin door, jaw spread open to show all of its long, sharp teeth. Wilfred Thompson, one of Bear's old hunting buddies from Fort McPhee, had put that up when the Harmon family moved out here. He told them not to take it down, and they never touched it. Willow was sitting on a bench with a stack of magazines. She'd already read them all and torn out pictures for the colleges she liked to make, but it seemed like she could always look through them just one more time. She turned to Paige. You're my hero. I'm so sick of moose. They were all sick of moose by the end of winter. Moose soup, moose stew, moose pot pie, moose gravy on rice... Usually they would be getting more fresh meat and fish, and fish by the time, but everything was messed up in their house and had been since Christmas. Rigel wondered if she can go inside. She'd like to leave the hairs for Lila and wash her hands with warm water and soap. She needed to clean the rifle, and she would have liked a little snack and a mug of tea. She was hungry after the long hours of walking, looking for hair tracks, kicking at scrub and waiting for startled hairs to pop out from underneath the brush. But the cabin door was closed. Yeah, Willow said. She must have seen where Rigel was looking. Lila said to go out and play for a while. She said she needed to talk to Bear. Rigel and her sisters called their parents by their first names. They always had. It was one of her father's notions. Do you know what's going on, Rigel said? No clue, but Lila got another sat call this morning, so maybe it had to do something with that. Their satellite phones was supposed to be for reserve businesses or emergencies. Its minutes cost a lot, and it wasn't easy to charge either, given that they were off the grid and had no electricity. Until this past winter, Rigel had never seen her mom on a satellite phone for more than a minute or two. But lately, Lila was taking it out of the cabin entryway, where she could have some privacy, chatting on it for half an hour at a time. 
I'm hungry, Ryo grumbled, throwing herself down on the bench. I am too, Will opened her magazine again. Taylor rocks Snapchat, a headline shrieked in big pink letters. Who was Taylor, and what was Snapchat? Probably some TV show, Rigel guessed. If Willow were in a better mood, Rigel would have asked her, but she could tell by Willow's quick flipping in pages that she was nervous, and when Willow was nervous, she got cranky. Better leave her alone. One of the reasons I loved 365 Days to Alaska is because it showed me how some people live, and it was definitely interesting to learn that some people liked living an opposite life than I do. I have nothing else to say about 365 Days to Alaska, so time for the featured author. Gordon Corman. Gordon Corman is the beloved author of many books, including Spindle and Slacker. He also wrote a story on his official website, gordoncorman.com. It'll be in the episode description. Online, called Secrets at Splat Night. It's a little short story that you should read after you, you read Restart, another one of his books. He was born on October 23rd, 1963, in Montreal, Canada. He is married to Michelle Easterson, and he has three kids, and he lives in New York now. He is still living and writing. Time for some fun facts. He started writing in 7th grade at age 12. He published his first book at age 14. It's called This Can't Be Happening at McDonald Hall. Last two facts. His favorite sports are hockey and football, and he likes all music except for operas. Thank you for listening this week, and I'll see you next week for my next episode. Because as you can probably see, I've gone back to my normal release schedule because school has started for me again. So keep on reading. Bye!